I'm always trying to find something different to do. Like uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm into coding on the computer and I've talked in my last few episodes about how I enjoyed headed down to ClueCon and doing some coding and, and spending that time. But a few years back, I was trying to find a different hobby, something that was less computer related, more hands-on, and there was a cool product at the end. So I took up brewing beer. And I'll admit, it's it's kind of a rewarding experience. We had chickens at the time, and uh, it was fun to uh, have, feed them the grain at the end and watch them eat it. And then, of course, in a month, get to enjoy some beer that you made. Uh, of course, that ended up spilling into, I can do this better. Uh, I can, you know, come up with my own circuit. For example, uh, the first tank, the goal is you have to hit a certain... Uh, water temperature before you sparge onto the grains. And I thought, you know, with a little bit of math and a microcontroller, I could probably make this happen and I could probably make it flawless. I didn't know much about microcontrollers at the time. And I didn't really know much about circuitry either. So I thought, well, this might be a good bolt on to my current new hobby. So I developed the circuit and it worked. I took two temp probes, put one in the grain, put one in the the water, and I measured the temperature of the grain and the temperature of the water. I used a bucket warmer. That's a Iowa term for something that makes sure that uh, your bucket won't freeze in the winter to get to the targeted temperature, which was usually around 110 or 111 degrees to sparge on. And then when I kicked on, I used a brew magic. And when I kicked on the pump to circulate the, the, the sparge, it stayed the right temperature. It was like a light bulb hit. So today we're going to talk a little bit about circuits and circuitry and why it became a obsessive hobby of mine. It's Monday, November 7th, and this is The Brew House. You know, I was trying to decide what to talk about on this episode. Uh, you know, I had an episode a while back where I talked about PayPal and their misinformation, uh, PayPal misinformation, where they put out this $2,500 bounty, basically, for posting misinformation online. And they recently just posted and said, oh, no, no, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Well, guess what? It's back. It wasn't a mistake. And PayPal is dead set on taking your $2,500. I'm not going to talk about it. There's literally nothing we can do other than just not use PayPal. And there are other options out there, but keep in mind, Venmo is owned by PayPal. So you're probably bound to the same terms and conditions. So keep that in mind. Cash app, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, any one of those. If you can find people that'll take them, that's the best way to do it. I use Namecheap um, to buy domains and um, Namecheap takes Bitcoin. They take uh, lots of other payment options when you buy when you buy domains. So just keep that in mind when you're out there. But I'm not going to talk about that today. You know, today's a happy day. Today, um, one of my friends and I are going down to Des Moines, and we get to celebrate. We want a grant for remodeling um, some apartments on Grand, and so we get to um, drive down to Des Moines to the reward ceremony where us and at least ten other people, um, grant winners will be there to celebrate. And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to, you know, having some, uh, having a nice lunch in Des Moines with my friend. And unfortunately my other friend couldn't come where well, there's three of us that are actually out there and we invest in properties in our local town. And, uh, he's out at uh, his dog's family reunion, so he won't be able to make it. But so it's, today's a happy day. So I want to talk about something happy. I want to talk about what I just spent this whole last weekend doing. Uh, so our schools, well, there's a problem out there. Let's just start that way. 
there seems to be an epidemic of vaping. Now, there's been laws made that make it harder for kids to acquire vape and acquire uh, the vaping accessories. I, vaping was brand new to me when I learned about this. So anyways, uh, the schools have been installing vape sensors. And so, and, and, I, and I learned that these vape sensors go upwards of $1,600. And I thought, you know, I bet they're not doing anything fancy. So I did a little research and I determined that these vape sensors are simply using uh, an environmental sensor and they look for PM 2.5. That's particulate matter in the air that's smaller than or equal to 2.5 nano. I don't even know what, what it is, but I learned that that's what they're using. So it took me a little while, but I found a I found the perfect sensor that uh, I that I picked out. It was $50 if I just bought one, but at quantity, I think if you bought a thousand of them, they go down to $25. So really they're not that expensive. So I got that and I know a lot of people would use a Raspberry Pi or something like that, but I had a thought in my mind, you know, sometimes if, if, if your sensor has, or your project has a goal of one thing, using a microcontroller is almost always a better option. They boot faster. They're good at doing one thing at a time. So I had an Arduino Uno laying around and I had a top hat or hat for it that um, did POE for the ethernet. It didn't have wireless and I didn't really care. This was kind of a, a test for me. So I wired it up to the, uh, to the I2C bus and I started coding. And I started on Friday after work. I stayed up till midnight. I never do that. And then Saturday, I coded pretty much all day. Uh, Ethan and I had to go pick up groceries in the afternoon. My wife did have a flat tire on her way to Des Moines. So we had to deal with that. Um, and then Ethan and I went out for supper that night. But then I continued to code until midnight. Come Saturday night, I had a working example. I had a vape sensor that was sensing vape, sending it to the web, and uh, was able to report in my browser connected to a remote server that the sensor detected vape. It was a victory. Well, before that, I had reached out to my friend and said, I'm thinking about doing this project. And uh, he's, he's, very, he's a very talented designer. He designs parts. I don't really understand what he does, but he designs parts. And so I said, here's the parts I'm, I'm using. Do you think you could design a case and he said, well, do you want it to look like a smoke detector? And I said, you know, that would actually be really good because the, the vape sensors I've seen look look like a vape sensor. They look big, bulky, disgusting. Well, since we're not using a Raspberry Pi, we're using smaller components, we can make a smaller case. So he, he, he designed me a nice smoke detector case, which I was able to pick up on Sunday morning. I put all the components in it. He did a great job measuring out like all of the holes to actually be able to screw in. And it worked. And I hung it up in the brew, brew house here and, uh, you know, I vaped, I don't actually breathe it in, uh, but, uh, and it worked. I sat out here and did testing with it. What I found out about the sensor is it really only covers about a, a, a radius of 10 feet. So a circle 10 feet around it. And that all really depends on the airflow. The sensor itself has a fan in it that blows over top of a track that separates a laser light. So basically the laser can determine that there's particles in the air because the laser is kind of broke down. Well, that's a problem, right? There's, there's a big problem there that needs solving. And unfortunately I'm not the guy to solve it, but I did look at the documentation for most of the other vape sensors out there on the market. And they all say the same thing. It covers about this 10, 
10 foot radius. Well, so I decided that this product could be viable, but I had one problem. I completely ran out of memory on the Arduino Uno, which has 32K of memory. So I needed a different solution. So I, I went on, I hadn't been on the Arduino site in forever because I kind of just got this stuff sitting around my house from when I was doing the beer brewing, which I haven't done in a while. Um, but, but so I did looking at some documentation, I found the Arduino MKR 1010, which has a 256K flash on it, which is what I needed. So, um, and it's $28 for um, one of those and they're readily available. So I ordered one. It should be here today. I haven't had time to mess with it yet, but it has the correct pins. It has I2C. It has a hat for um, Ethernet. It doesn't have PoE, but I had a, I have a solution for that. And so the, the thing will still have PoE. But the nice thing about the MKR1010 is it has uh, the capability to add a 3.7 volt battery. And the sensor itself, one of the big things about the, the problem with the the vape sensor is act to supply a voltage. The good news is, is that the MKR 1010 supplies 3.3 volts and the, the sensor I use minimum voltage is 3.3 volts. So perfect. It should work. So then I reached back out to my friend and I said, Hey, I think I got something viable here. You know, I posted it on Facebook and I got a little feedback from people. And I think I said, I think I have something viable here. Can you, can you, I want to make a few slight changes to the case and by slight changes, I mean, completely changed the whole thing. And he was a good sport about it. I sent him all the parts and the parts list, and he helped collaborate on some of the stuff to help make it a little smaller so we could kind of keep in that smoke detector type thing. And I'm excited to show it off. I'm looking at a price right now. Like, Keep in mind, the current detectors on the market are anywhere between $800 and $1,600. Most of them, instead of having a microcontroller inside, uh, carry around a Raspberry Pi. So I, I don't know why it doesn't make any sense to me, but they're, they're running in the range of $800 to $1,600. Well, if I can cut the price of an $800 smoke or vape sensor in half, it would make, it would make it so they could put two vape sensors in one bathroom and to get around the tampering. Cause a lot of times, you know, the kids figure out that they're, they can be tampered with. We, we put a battery inside of it. So even if they pull it down, the it'll still sense the vape because it has a battery in it. Most of them, you unplug them, they're offline, that's it. So by having a mix of wired and wireless, we can be on the internet at all times, be able to report. We don't have a horn in it to like alert that there's vaping going on because we don't, in my opinion, we don't want to embarrass people that get caught vaping, especially in schools. I mean, that's just, that would be terrible for the kids. It's like being called over the loudspeaker to come to the office. We want to alert administration so they can try to do corrective actions, contact the parents, that kind of thing to, to say, you know, vaping is not cool. Don't do it in school. You're not old enough. When you're 21, you can do whatever you want. So anyways, sensors have been fun for me. I've enjoyed learning different sensors. And, and what I, what I've learned is, is that if you can think it, it's out there. Like, I was, I, you know, I was focused on the the chemicals that come out of the vape. I thought that would be the, the, the thing, you know, formaldehyde, nicotine, all of that. And sure, there are sensors for those. But the thing is, is what I failed to forget or remember is that, you know, since I don't smoke, is that nicotine and formaldehyde actually stay in your lungs. So what that means is, is the whole purpose of sensing it goes away. Uh, we had a fun experiment at work. I don't vape, but another guy that I work with does. And so he, um, 
I blew on the I blew on the sensor and I got readings. He blew on the sensor and didn't get any readings. Well, the biggest difference was is he was taking it into his lungs and I was not. So all most of the chemicals were coming back out of me, but they weren't coming out of him because they had settled in his lungs or whatever that stuff does. I'm not a doctor and I don't pretend to know when you breathe in cigarette or vape or pipe smoke like what happens in your body. I know it's I know it goes into your lungs and that can get into your bloodstream and I, that's what I know, but I don't know anything more than that. But I would say if, if anyone's out there looking for kind of a cool, different hobby, and of course, one you can spend as much money as you want to on, you should check out circuitry. Uh, if you're looking for kind of fun places to get started, uh, Adafruit is great. Uh, SparkFun is good. And the Arduino website itself, uh, they have the ability to buy Arduinos there. Most of the most of the parts you buy, the sensors you get, at uh, most every site has Arduino sketches. That's what they call when you actually write the software for the Arduino. They're already available. So an example that maybe you could include in your project or how to use the sensor, basically. So that's about it. Today's a happy day. I'm going to go down, go to Des Moines, get a nice lunch, go out, go to this award ceremony and have a good time. So... That's all I have for today. I hope everyone has a great Monday. <music>